Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yeah. How you doing? I'm feeling nerdy. Okay. Because You're looking a little nerdy. Yeah, well the stereotype is that nerds are nerds because they are uh they grew up weak. <laughs> they couldn't stand the elements, so they had to stay inside, and that's why they became interested in comic books and video games and stuff. And I am having a very bad allergy day. Mm-hmm. I am uh just sniffly. And sneezy, and uh, grumpy, uh, and sleepy. <laughs> right. <laughs> I also have a, I have a PhD now, <laughs> uh, but that's okay because I'm not going to have to do the heavy li- lifting on this episode. Damn right, me either. We, we've we've got a guest. Yeah. Uh, he's got all sorts of things to his credit that we can uh, we <laughs> could say. Oh, do, do I? <laughs> and we will all know in in a couple years' time. We will all know his name because. Of a thing he's working on, That's which right. we'll get to later. Uh, but you, as a Battleship Pretension listener, might know him best as the guy who has designed most of our our posters yes. for our our live events our and second, the third, and fourth. Yes, and the uh, the video trailer uh, for the fourth. Was that for the fourth one? Fourth, yes. Yeah. So uh, he also has his own podcast. We'll get to that in a second, ladies and gentlemen. Adam Robotaro. Hello. How's it going there, Adam? It's going great. How are you? <laughs> Fine. I heard your little opening. He's doing fine too, sort of. <laughs> yeah, I mean he'll he'll make it. Yeah. <laughs> so I will survive the episode. Gloria Gaynor. So uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's the game we're playing. Yeah, yeah. that's that's what we're going to be. The today. times they are changing. Right. You're supposed to say who sang the song. Oh, okay. Did you not? You made up the game. I didn't know that's what we were doing. I, I didn't thought, catch on either. <laughs> I thought we were going to start trying to say titles back and forth like it was a conversation. Okay. Good vibrations. Um, <laughs> so, this is a tough one. Which is, of course, uh, what? I said, this is a tough game. I mean, you threw good vibrations at me. I had to dig deep for for Beach Boys. Yeah. I don't think but we're playing the same, same game. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think so either. What? One person says the title of the song, the other person says who sang it. No, no, no. Yeah, I say good vibrations. But that's not what happened. That's, that's a non-starter. But that's not what happened. I said <laughs> I will survive, and you said Gloria Gaynor. Gloria Gaynor isn't a. Com- it isn't even a complete sentence. Yeah, it only I, has a subject. Yeah, but it has cha- no predicate. Yeah, but I changed the game. I didn't tell <laughs> you, but he picked up on it. Yeah. So what's your problem there, Sniffly? Uh, you can't set up the game and then change it. Yeah, but it's changed now. Not change you. Game has changed. Are you going to change me or are you going re- <laughs> to replace me with... <laughs> I make the rules. I am the law, Judge Dredd. <laughs> See, King, there's King the, Kong there's got the shit on me. See, that's the song that he sang and that's who, <laughs> that's who sang it. I am the law, sung by Judge Dredd. <laughs> All right, this, this has gotten out of hand. Yeah. So here's what happened, everybody. Uh, because I am currently out of town, we're recording this, our second BP in a few days, and then earlier today, we recorded an episode with uh, Pilar Alessandra of her podcast on the page, which should be available now, right? Yeah, at the time that this is up, that, that one should be okay. up. Okay. Yeah. So go and seek that out. Uh, speaking of podcasting, yeah, Ad- Adam, you've had, a, you've had a couple of podcasts that I've are no longer two. available. Yeah. Two, okay. They're actually both still available. You okay. can still check out the episodes of them, but, um, but they are no longer running. Uh, the first was Green Hill Zone. Uh, which you can find at greenhillzone.podomatic.com. Okay. Uh, should still and in iTunes, there. right? Uh, no, that one was not on iTunes. Oh, okay. So. That was before the iTunes thing caught on, really. Um, the, no one was using that yet, and uh, and we 
Uh, I guess we were ahead of the curve because no one was really podcasting yet <laughs> either. <laughs> so we didn't get many listeners. Um, but well, uh, it's, it's a it's a video game podcast. Um, sort of a uh, it was sort of a current events in video game podcast. So you can go see what was happening there several years ago in video games. <laughs> if if that suits your fancy. The other one is also um about old games. But I think this one has a wider appeal because yeah, this uh, is it was uh, the lost levels and it's about retro gaming. It's mm-hmm. specifically about games that came out in the past. And there's no real time stamp on it, I guess. How far in the past does a game have to be to um, qualify we were for doing, lost levels? We were saying happen. PlayStation 1 or earlier. So okay. the Nintendo 64 and PlayStation 1 were the latest systems that we were supposed to talk about. Of course, we ended up talking about some newer things also, but those were that was our intention. Now, Adam, here's what I like about you. Um, yes, I, I did really accidentally do <laughs> I, I did, uh, oh, damn it. I did accidentally <laughs> just say <laughs> the title of a song. But here, okay, is that... Uh, when, if there is something nerdy in the world, now I'm not gonna. I'm not meaning to sound as mocking as I obviously am. Um, if there's something nerdy in the world, you know about it. That's generally true. Yeah, I'm. I'm on top of it. Yeah, and uh, I try to be. And so we're going to be talking about something very nerdy uh, today, but something that David and I can uh, bring, you know, some some depth to. I think, but uh, but video games. They left me behind a long time ago because, as we all know, they're not an art form. (laughs) (laughs) I say that just to bother Adam. That's a fun thing that me and uh, that uh, friend of the show, Jason Eakin, and I will do from time to time is throw out things that Adam uh, doesn't like. like I I believe the video games are are art, as do I. I don't even really think it's a conversation that needs to happen. To me, it's obvious. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) I mean, it's it's as foregone a conclusion as the fact that like running zombies are still zombies. <laughs> That's another one of those things that Tyler likes to say to bug me. Well, see now that I will talk about. I think in like in Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead, those are still zombies. In Twenty Eight Days Later, they're not because they're not dead. Right? They're infected. Okay. That's that's really and also that's really not the argument I have. Is that real zombies shouldn't run? Not that they don't. Yeah, I feel that they shouldn't. So Zack Snyder should not have had run zombies that are capable of running because it takes the um, it takes the element of of fear out of them that it's just this plotting thing that's going to take forever to get to you. But guess what? It's going to get to you, right. and there's nothing you can really do to stop it. Uh, I, I mean, I I see your point, but I still think those are zombies because they fit. They, they, they fit. They the, are uh, in, in Dawn of the Dead, yes, yes, but they are not in Twenty Eight Days Later. Right, those Tyler. those are not zombies. They're infected. I'm, stari- I'm glaring at him. Twenty Eight Days Later took some 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 tropes and mm. some aesthetics from the zombie uh, genre, mm-hmm. but it's not a zombie movie. If the if the infection had literally like stopped the person's heart and they were dead, and then they came back to life, then they would be zombies, yes. even if they were right. dead only for a few <clears throat> minutes. But uh, yes, now I do know some people that uh, there was there was going to be a time there was a time when we were going to have uh, comedian Jonah Ray on the show. Yeah, we should still do that. I know it uh, never never He's panned out. He's a nice for some guy. Reason. He is a good guy. I like him a lot, and he uh, he has stronger opinions on zombie movies than anybody I've ever met. Didn't he get like fired from a job for getting? I think really you told me that story. So oh, okay. I guess uh, he had told me this story okay. that uh, he was working for uh, some company that was entertainment related and got 
fired because he got in a screaming argument with someone about zombies. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's caring about zombies way too much. <laughs> yeah, a little too much, right? I, I mean, I like them. They're a lot of fun. But, uh, but yeah, so now uh, what would you – just real quick, what is your favorite video game of all time? Chrono Trigger. What? Chrono Trigger for the Super Nintendo. Oh I'm sorry, RC Pro-Am? <laughs> Did you say <laughs> Double dribble? <laughs> Chrono Trigger. It okay. is an RPG um, that, that has about 12 different endings. Rocket-propelled grenade. Absolutely. <sighs> <laughs> See, it's fun, isn't it? Is this, is this working? <laughs> <laughs> I was just telling our listeners what RPG stands yeah. for. It stands for a role-playing game. Yeah. <laughs> um, it had it had about it had about twelve different endings, maybe about fifteen, um, and th- at the time that was not something that any other games did. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone, there was all just oh, here's the story and here's one ending, but that had many different ways to complete it. And so I don't know, I still like it to this day. Now let me ask you this because this is a question that comes up in the film <coughs> community quite a bit, uh, specifically with movies like my favorite movie, Citizen Kane. Um, do you? Does it have a special place in your heart because it was the first game to do that, or is it the the game to have done that best? In that case, I think it's both. Okay. Um, it, it's it's very seamless the way in which it does it, and you can't you don't really if no one told you you wouldn't even know that it had multiple endings. Mm-hmm. Um, and whereas a lot of games now, it's like you have the good ending and you have the bad ending. It's very clear you're going for one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think I do think it's it's both of those, it's it's both the first and the best. Now, Adam, this uh, before we get to the the topic, there is something that uh, because I I do turn to you when it, when I need like edification on certain nerdy <laughs> things, like when like I had heard a lot about uh, the Marvel Comics Civil War, and I had heard about some aspects of it, right. but not a lot about it, and uh, and I hadn't read it myself. So I said, Adam, fill me in on everything about it, and you did, and it was great. Um, but uh, there, are, and when it comes to video games, especially because I stopped at Super Nintendo mm-hmm. and then turned all my energy towards uh, movies. But uh, I do enjoy watching people play video games. I don't play them myself because I was okay. never very good at them. And you told me that there's a—is it just called a watcher? There's an there's a, the, a game watcher. Okay. Um, there's a whole episode of uh, Green Hill Zone about about the importance of the game watcher and how to do it correctly. Okay, uh, because it's it's a very subtle art. Uh, okay, <laughs> watching people play video games. What is called for when being a game? Um, essentially, contribution, but not stepping on the, not basically telling people how to play. You can really only do it with certain games, obviously, but um, and it has to be acknowledged by both people that it's sort of a co- cooperative experience at that point. But the, the, it sounds like it calls for the game watcher to be familiar with the game. Um, it. It requires the game watcher to generally be there for the entire game. But um, I mean, but like, familiar, like, ha- having played, it, it requires the game watcher to have played the game no, himself. No, not at all. Like some, it can just be helping out solve puzzles or um, saying, oh, what if you did this? And um, it, it's, sort of, it's sort of like a treaty reached by both the game player and the game watcher. Um, now, here's, here's the kind of watcher I am. Um, Sometimes I will be helpful, like a uh, friend of the show, uh, or not a friend of the show, I'm sorry, occasional contributor, Josh Long. Uh-huh. He was playing uh, Arkham Asylum mm-hmm. for the first time, 
and uh, and I contributed uh, uh, how to use the grappling hook. Not that I had played it before. It's like, hey, I think you should do it there. I think that's why that's lighting up. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, there we go. I had fixed it. Uh, I hadn't fixed it, but I had solved a problem that he <laughs> probably would have stumbled broken. on. <laughs> exactly. Um, it <laughs> might job, as well Josh, have been. You broke the game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, admittedly, he probably would have stumbled on it. I'm going to say ten seconds later, but still, I got there first. Um, so that's the kind of watcher I was then. So I tried to be uh, that kind of person. Um, elsewhere, uh, f- I have friends that will sometimes play uh, Call of Duty against each other. Mm-hmm. And the role that I play, I sit next to the better player and push buttons randomly uh, <laughs> on his controller. That is not a contributive uh, way to do that. It's That's pretty. It's a lot of fun. Like, cause there's, I imagine it's fun for you. It is a lot of fun <laughs> for me. And other people are laughing as well. And there, there's... Like uh, there was a time when he had a sniper rifle and he had a he had a bead on the on his enemy and then I pushed the duck button and <laughs> he just ducked down and suddenly there was a wall in front of him and I was like ha ha what do you think of that I'm a jerk yeah that's 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 a good word for that and then <laughs> a jerk and then sometimes my my watching involves me saying hey kill that guy look as much as I'm loving this <laughs> running down the <laughs> roster of Tyler's contributions to society. <laughs> Ga- gaming society day. <laughs> okay. Um, maybe we should get to the topic. I'm very sleepy. I'm sorry. I mean, you mentioned uh, uh, Marvel's uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, right? <laughs> this is me saying something to yeah. upset Adam. It's DC crossover. <laughs> uh, no, Marvel's or DC's uh, uh, Secret Wars. Honestly, I don't know about that one. That's a Marvel crossover. But I know the DC, uh, the 2099 series that we, from when I was oh younger. Oh, my God. <laughs> Where superheroes, like, an, uh, uh, Superman's, like, an old man and, uh, like, rips the sleeves off of his uniform because he's, like, punk. Okay. Right? I don't really even know what you're talking about now. <laughs> I'm talking about a bunch. Of, I've combined a bunch of different things. Some of them have nothing to do with the 2099 thing. All right. Okay. So. Uh, you mentioned uh, Marvel Civil War. That involves uh, superheroes. Mm-hmm. Now, when I was in film school, I remember, uh, I can't even remember what class it was, but having a discussion one day on the way that uh, certain certain genre films, like noirs or, or horror, um, I remember, yeah, we were talking about Invasion of the Body Snatchers in this class and the way that different versions... Of invasion of the body snatchers. There's the the fifty seven version. There's the uh, there's there's one in the seventies, seventy eight or something with Donald then, Sutherland, right? Uh, yeah. And then there's a couple more. Uh, Puppet Masters is one, mm-hmm. and then there was the barely seen Abel Ferrara one, which I haven't seen either. And there was the in, uh, or just invasion, oh, invasion, right? Yeah, but that hadn't come out yet when I was in college. Right. Uh, so we were talking about the weight that different versions of this movie say different things about what Americans were scared of or paranoid about at the time. Mm -hmm. And so what we want to do is apply this same uh, uh, rubric or whatever, uh, view through the same lens, superhero movies Mm -hmm. and superheroes. What do they, what do they say at different times about, about the superheroes? What, What is the, what is Joe Johnston's Captain America going to represent that the, 1990 Captain America, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> it re- represented differently. And you know, it's it's. Uh, I I I thought of this topic after I just saw uh, James Gunn's Super with uh, Rain Wilson. He's talking about St. Louis and James Gunn. 
Yeah, that's him. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so I went and saw that, and I really enjoyed it. I liked it quite a bit, but I noticed that thematically it's very similar to uh, the movie and comic book series Kick-Ass. Okay. And, I, and, and then, then I thought about a movie that, David, you and I enjoy quite a bit called Mystery Men. Yeah, that's a movie that I... Oh, I love Mystery Men. I, I enjoy it not as much as I used to. I'd say I'm the same way. Like, I think there's a time... There are certain movies like Mystery Men. Another one, a more, a somewhat more recent, would be Bubble Boy with Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> that, like, everyone I know that, like, you know, any sort of normal average film goer that I know they would hate those. And because I see something smart in them, I mm-hmm. defend them. But if you compare them to actual good comedies, they don't really stand up. <laughs> there's just there's something to respect about them. And Mystery Men has it has a lot of problems. Yeah, they're yeah. better than bad comedies. Is basically yeah, <laughs> um, which that's the height of praise. Uh, but I did notice that there seems to be, especially I'm going to say in the last ten, or I guess you know ten, eleven, twelve years, I noticed with Super especially just the the number of superhero movies about uh i would say misfits like social misfits people that are uh outside the outside what is like socially acceptable and they use and they feel probably kind of worthless as people and they use superherodom to make themselves special or to rise above their circumstances sometimes maybe to take a certain degree of revenge but that's another that's another category but um and it struck me as odd. Like I, I was, I was wondering, well, why is that happening now, as opposed to in the '60s or '70s? Well, it's always been that a little bit. Peter Parker was a little bit of a misfit because he was a nerd, but I don't know. But uh, and I'll let Adam chime in right. after I say this because he'll he'll know more. But it seems like it was a gradual thing, and the reason it's happening in movies more now is because they're catching up to the comics, which right. started starting in the in the 1980s. But um, what it, uh, what it is is there, there at some point it seems like there was a shift to where it's sort of like you and I uh, have talked about Martin Scorsese's The Last Temptation of Christ, mm. whereas Christ, you know Christ is both human and divine, and it, but is generally talked about by uh, the faithful in terms of his divinity. Mm-hmm. And Last Temptation approached him from the human side, right? Uh, and that is maybe where a lot of the con- controversy comes from. And it seems like there was. This change maybe around the time of, of Watchmen uh, in 86, I think, uh, 85, 86, um, to say, well, these are people who are, you know, except for Dr. Manhattan, but most of these superheroes are people who are doing this, so let's look at them as people mm-hmm. uh, first. Well, that's sort of, that's sort of been uh, a substantial difference between Marvel Comics and DC um, over uh, the, in, the basically the entire run um post post world war 2 i would say mm-hmm. uh, is dc has has very much been about look at these fantastic things that everyone's doing uh-huh. um and marvel has has always been about the characters the fantastic four are a family that has this this accident thrust upon them um and how do they react to that or Peter Parker has is bitten by the spider, and how does he react to that? And all of the villains are also that way. Whereas, um, whereas DC is like, hey, we have we have powers, and now they're going to fight someone with powers, and we don't really care about their personal life that much, with the exception of 
Superman and Lois Lane. Uh-huh. Um, but Batman is has become one of the most... Batman, it's become that way right. now. Um, because DC is, I, I guess... Uh, and it sounds like I'm bashing DC, um, which I sort of am. Um, but uh, they sort of have taken cues from Marvel in that they're, they're saying, oh, character is important to these. And that's what compels people to read is not that they have powers, that it's how they react to having them. Uh-huh. Um, so how... Okay, let's... Uh, let's uh, Let's uh, transition into movies specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, would, would you would you agree that it was? I mean, you say since World War Two, but is, is is Watchmen the turning point that I think it is? As well, as far as comics, um, yes. Um, but it, the reason that Watchmen was such a turning point was um, was because uh, it was they were willing to do a lot more with that. Uh, in terms of it being graphic, it being uh-huh. um, more sexual, right. um, it was more of an adult comic than than anything previous to that. So um, where do the movies catch up? The movies. Uh, I mean, well, w- when do you start seeing this sort of deconstructivism and this more uh, adult approach? When do you see this happen in the movies? Really, I don't feel like that that even happened until about until. I think X Men came out because uh-huh. Spider Man was still pretty, um, mm. pretty straightforward. X Men was they they made it darker, they made it more, um, uh, more adult themed movie. Yeah, that first X Men movie starts during the Holocaust. Yeah, right. I mean that's <laughs> that is the opening scene. Yeah, that is uh, definitely setting the child getting ripped from his parents. At yeah, treasure camp. Yeah, it's so definitely setting the tone for what's going to be a more. Uh, uh, serious look but so i mean that's just one thing that that you I mean that's where you started with, right. with this but i mean superheroes superheroes in the movies go back uh pretty far i mean uh, not as far as in comics but when did superheroes first oh, i think superman um and like when they were serialized the supermans but uh, there are those like uh the uh what's his name that uh george reeves george reeves oh, i yeah. mean that's like the, the 30s the old old ones yeah yeah and and uh but those were still those were still pretty campy and yeah. aimed at children mm. but I mean, that's what i mean i don't want I, what i'm saying is i don't just want to talk about the newer breed and the kickass uh super mm-hmm. stuff like uh what did uh what did superheroes mean in the in the 30s and the 40s and 50s although actually bef- before we go back because i do want to i do want to sort of explore I mean, we've already we've already broached the subject, so I guess there's no reason that we necessarily have to go in any particular order. But the idea of like the fact that Kick-Ass is being made into a movie now, and Super is being ma- made into a movie now, and that X Men has been around since the '60s, but they finally made a movie of it in 2000, and and they finally made a movie of Watchmen uh, in 2000. Was that that was nine, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, you know, what is it about modern society? that made made it acceptable for these, you know, R-rated, not X-Men, but the, these R-rated, often very violent and, I'd say, sociopathic uh, movies to become accepted. Now, Kick-Ass did, uh, did pretty well at the box office, I think, right? Um, I'm not really sure, actually. Mm-hmm. Super's still not, I mean, it's the type of movie it is, it's not a huge thing, and Watchmen did okay. I think it disappointed based on the budget, but I think it still did all right. 
And so people were at the very least seeing these movies and they never questioned the fact that like, hey, these movies are really violent. They're supposed to be for kids. Like no one said they were for kids anymore. And so I, I wonder if it's, it's if, it, if it's a function of the audience maturing or just, I don't know, if it, if it reflects something in the society where this idea of someone gaining their personal worth from sort of taking things into their own hands and a sort of vigilante kind of thing. Well, I think a good way to look at almost any of these, I mean, the superheroes as we're talking about them now mm-hmm. are uh, essentially an American creation. Uh, I mean, there there are, there are predecessors going all the way back to mythology and right. stuff, and this mm-hmm. kind of thing. But superheroes as we know them are an American creation. And y- if you see the superheroes as being representations of different facets of America, that's I think how you can how you can look at at, at all of this. And uh, you know, um, I think the reason uh, we've explored this sort of violent revenge pathology of superheroes in the last 10 years is i mean as easy as it is to point to it's a september 11th thing Mm. you know our our place has been threatened we're not the captain america of 1990 you know we're not like the cheesy cornball like Mm. uh uh capable of anything anymore you know we're we're unsure of ourselves and uh we're unsure of the righteousness of how to go about protecting ourselves, you know, because it's mm-hmm. not, you know, Captain America was, uh, you know, in, in, uh, in world war two, he was just so, uh, unquestionably on the side of right that, right. uh, he, uh, there was no crisis of conscience when it came to, you know, uh, punching out Hitler. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Beating up Nazis and stuff. Uh, wh- whereas, whereas now we've got this, uh, faceless, formless, nationless, uh, enemy and we don't know how to fight them without by our traditional means without hurting other people and maybe even compromising our souls and so that that's why it's gotten like this because we don't feel as certain of our righteousness and it does seem to come from you know when you watch something like super or kick-ass it's not merely that they are misfits and outsiders it's the type of misfits and outsiders that they are which is I'll use the word impotent, uh, not ne- not Mostly sexually, like of course. Oppressed. Yeah, oppressed. They can't do anything. And to kind of tie it into the nine eleven thing, we all watched helpless as this happened, and we felt like there's nothing I can do about it. And it's like, but damn it, I'm going to keep it from happening again. Mm-hmm. And there was a real vengeful kind of thing. And you know, people have said whether they're right or wrong, but people have said that you know America's reaction to this has been, you know, disproportionate to what was done. Now, of course, I mean, again, I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but I know some people have said that, and one could say it's very similar to Rain Wilson's character in Super uh, beating the hell out of somebody with a wrench for snatching a purse or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. but uh, have you seen Super yet? No, I have not seen it. Oh yet. my gosh, you'll enjoy but, it. But yeah, the I clip really, that I saw I at really Comic-Con has it. him splitting a guy's head open with a wrench for cutting in line in the movie theater. Yeah, but he didn't even <laughs> say cutting. He said butting. No, no butts. Yeah, that's what he said. But, um, but yeah, I d- and I think that's... I I kind of wanted to establish that before we uh, go back further to, to show that like, certainly now 
comic books and comic book movies re- reflect in a way like a cultural mindset and that sort of thing. So would you say that uh, when did Superman first appear? Um, Superman first appeared in the 1940s. Okay. Um, so this is a time bef- just before we entered the war. Uh, that's I'm glad that's when it was because that fits into <laughs> what I'm saying is that uh, Superman is uh, he fights for you know uh, what's right you know truth, truth ju- justice in the American way yeah and um, there was it, it feels almost propag- uh, propaganda of sorts uh, I'm not sure if the government had a hand in creating Superman um, but uh, a lot of Americans didn't want to go to war it didn't ha- until Pearl Harbor it didn't have anything to do with us right and I, I and a lot of that actually came from uh, Superman's creators were Jewish right. Americans, and so a lot of early superhero comics were trying to push America into the war. Yeah, that's by e- that. Hmm. That's exactly what my hypothesis was. I'm glad I was right. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> absolutely the case. Uh, yeah, trying to say that whether or not uh, we're personally threatened or not. Yeah, uh, sorry that gram- grammar was off, but I'm really uh, not feeling very well right now. <laughs> Uh, w- whether we're personally threatened or not, be- we because we have the might that we have, we have a duty to uh, to use it for good, mm-hmm. and, and and that's what superheroes were about, right? It's great power comes great responsibility. You might say <laughs> I'm a, I'm one could say. say that. Yes, <laughs> that's pretty brilliant, uh, almost poetic, Adam. Yeah, I just came up with that off the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> but that does actually. Um, and and Captain, I, I don't want to actually get to Spider Man yet, but like because Captain America was very much, I mean, I like what he has become because even though I don't read comic books, I am surprisingly aware of what mm-hmm. happens in them, especially with characters like a Captain America. Um, How regard regardless of what the country is doing, he's the American ideal. Yes, he is. He is what the country should be. Which leads me well, which leads me to kind of. And I think I've said it on on the show before, but I'd like to get your opinion on it. Like, I find myself wondering how the country's going to respond to the Captain America movie this summer because everything about him is so, I would say, national, kind of almost cheesy kind of thing. And so, and I remember Joe Johnston saying, like, well, our, our Captain America is not going to be a, a flag waving kind of guy. I'm like, so he's not Captain America. <laughs> the man's name is Captain America. Like, that cannot be more propagandistic. This is, I don't know if that's the word. That's word. But, uh, so, I don't know. Do you think that people will actually respond to that? Or I mean, I think America's gotten a lot more cynical since yeah, I don't, Captain America first was created. I don't know. I'm, I'm personally, I'm all about America. I'm very patriotic. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Me too. That's why Captain America is pr- like my favorite. I, uh, I love living uh, here. My favorite I, I, love, <laughs> I love this country. <laughs> um, I'm not ashamed to say it. What a country! That's so, all I have to say. <laughs> uh, uh, so I I don't know. Um, I think that uh, that a majority of the audience um, for comics uh, probably feels similar, um, with the exception of there have been some British writers that have done. Uh, some Captain America stories, and they're they're very, um, uh, I guess, 
I, I don't really know the word to say it. It's, they're they're like anti-American Captain Captain America stories. Hmm. That's like him versus the government. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Wasn't there a major story where he like essentially committed treason because? Well, in Civil War, he essentially did that um, because the government was doing something that he felt was wrong, mm-hmm. um, and that was a British writer. Um, yeah. But it. For the most part, in throughout history, Captain America has been on the side of America and said, you know, ha- has anything he's disagreed with, he's voiced it and not been reactionary, I suppose. Uh-huh. And I, and it's interesting because even even in in the description, uh, this is not on you, but like that some people view Captain America in those. Uh, British authored uh, books as being anti-American when it's like, mm-hmm. well, the government is not doing something American. Right. I am pro-American, which means sometimes being anti, not anti-government as a concept, but anti what this particular government is doing. Right. So. I um, mean, there's there's actually a, a quote from Thomas Jefferson that I'm not, I don't know the quote offhand, obviously, but it, it essentially says, if the government is doing something that you believe is wrong, it's your duty to revolt. Mm-hmm. It's, it's I think that are you th- is a quote that the tree of liberty must from time to time be watered with the blood of patriots and tyrants. That is probably, <laughs> yeah. That's pretty good, David. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> okay. I might have gotten some of the wording wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was. That, sound, that sounds right. That was in that uh, miniseries, right? Which one? John Adams. John, no, it was Thomas Jefferson who said it. Yeah, but I mean, he's a character in the... I think we watched different miniseries. <laughs> <laughs> I love those jokes. Um... But yeah, and so uh, I feel like I feel like people like characters like Superman, Captain America, and the time they came out, like it's such a clear correlation mm-hmm. of like, I mean, both of these characters are the height of nobility. Yeah. Um, yeah. Once he was done fighting Nazis, Captain America started fighting commies. Nice. It's it's just what you do. He, he also I've been reading in preparation of the movie coming out and stuff. I've been reading the uh, volume one of the essential Captain America Marvel like uh, anthology thing. Mm-hmm. And he was, in the sixties he was also very uh, much a spokesman for physical fitness. Yes, like because he'd be like fighting rooms of guys while going on this monologue about how he could do this because he takes such good care of his body. And yeah, you know. he also got injected with a super serum. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not all of us have that luxury, Dick. <laughs> um, uh, that's amazing how talky those uh, early oh, yeah. Marvel comics are. Yeah, until, I'd be out of breath, I feel like. Until about, until about the, um, the mid to late 90s comics were still that talky. Yeah. Um, they, they sort of changed formats. They went to six-issue story arcs and... Um, and a lot less uh, inner dialogue uh-huh. or, or vocalizing. Now, of course, uh, to to uh, you know, kind of move things to move things along. Of course, like 1940s and the 1950s were. I, I sort of group them together. I know that they're that culturally they're a little bit different, but of course, the 60s is when things really started to change, right. and that's when a lot a lot of new comic book characters were introduced that mm-hmm. were different types of characters. Spider-Man was very different than, uh, you know, Superman or Captain America. I guess uh, I guess we haven't brought up Batman yet, but... Um, I mentioned Batman earlier. Right, but, like, he came about in the 40s. Like, yeah. he was pretty he early was as well. Shortly after as Superman. Well. And so... But 
from what I what I've read, in spite of the fact that his character that's what always fascinated me about the early Batman comics is that he still had the dark backstory of my parents were murdered, so now I'm going to say several puns while beating up well, theme the, villains. He actually didn't start that way. It okay. started out very dark. Um and he he actually like shot some people. Um That's right he had a gun. Dropped some people off roofs and was um it, it was a very, very dark comic to begin with. Then in the fifties there was a book written by um by Doctor Doctor Frederick Wortham um called Seduction of the Innocent. That was about the evils of comics. And during that time, Batman was transitioning to a more, uh, uh, the, the Adam West Batman, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they did keep his backstory and everything, but, um, but he, they gave him the kid's sidekick. They uh, made him work in the light of day and work with the police um, hmm. and really made him much less interesting. Okay. Um, and it wasn't it wasn't until the uh, the seventies um, that uh, that they brought the character back to that with uh, Neil Adams' work and Frank Miller's Year One um, and, uh, and and a, a few other things like that sort of brought the character back to to the darkness. And so, what what were uh, what were some of the big Either DC or or Marvel. What were some of the big characters that were created in the '60s? Well, the '60s um, is interesting uh, because a lot of the characters that came about during that time, like the Fantastic Four, had to do with um, radiation or mm-hmm. um, the the fear of fear of the atom, I guess, fear of the bomb, uh, because that's when the Cold War was starting, and um, so there was a lot of there's a lot of communist um fears and and as a result you have a lot of irradiated people and this is that's where they got their powers and the hulk yeah the hulk gamma radiation came out of that because they were testing gamma bombs Mm -hmm. well let's see i want to use the hulk to get back into into movies and uh um the the uh the upcoming avengers movie we talked about Mm -hmm. how captain america is very pro-america and the Hulk, the stories that have that have been told, have uh, generally have a pretty uh, like a deep cynicism about the military. Right? Uh, how how is that going to go together? Are are are, are Captain Hulk and uh, Captain Hulk, <laughs> Captain America and the Hulk, Captain Hulk and America, <laughs> the America, uh, the Incredible America? <laughs> Did I get? I got into an argument with someone recently about the Hulk. Uh, oh, it was at trivia night. Okay. And the the answer was the Hulk. My uh teammate insisted on writing the Incredible Hulk. Which is that's just the name of the comic. That's not his name, right? Right. Well, the, he's referred to that, I guess, as as far as the uh, uh he, the comic is called that and then the latest movie, but you know. But like those Marvel comics all have that, the Amazing yeah. Spider-Man, the Uncanny X-Men, the yes. Invincible Iron Man. Why did why has Incredible Stuck to Hulk in a, in this way that the other ones haven't. Uh, I, don't, I have no idea. <laughs> it just really has. <laughs> All right, Maybe because the show uh, was called The Incredible Hulk, right? Um, I would say would probably because that's the most exposure anyone's got to it. Right, would be that. Let me suggest this. Uh-huh. God help me. When I say Hulk, there are two associations. 
Big Green Monster and Hogan. Uh-huh. And I wonder if uh, and Hogan came about in the you know early '80s, even late '70s, a little bit, and uh, and perhaps uh, the insistence on Incredible Hulk is to differentiate. Yeah, I think contextually you can tell who you're talking about. Though, if you're saying the Hulk, you don't think Hulk Hogan. I'm a big fan of Hulk. Who am I talking about? I think if you just say Hulk, then you're talking about Hulk Hogan. It's a trick. I'm talking about both. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Sorry. That's uh, okay. So, um, <laughs> is is there? Uh, I feel like I keep going you're, back you, to comics. You were talking about uh, Captain America and the Hulk in the in the Avengers. Yeah, like uh, I guess we, you were talking about how DC is one way and Marvel is another way. Are there uh, conflicting? Is that intentional that uh, Captain America and the Hulk sort of represent different wor- views of our leaders? I don't know that that's, that's it's intentional. Um, um, yeah, it's it's really I guess hard to say. Captain America wasn't around. Also, they stopped making the comics after um, in in after the war. Um, so after World was, War Two, there were yeah, there yeah. were years and years that Captain America wasn't around. Yeah, and then they brought him back in the '60s after the Hulk had already been around. Right. Um, so I th- I think that the the cultural landscape had definitely changed between between uh, then and then. Yeah, and my memory actually, as you mentioned that, is that there are in in those '60s Captain America stories like there are entire stories that are not about him fighting, but about him walking around and feeling like. Because he's been frozen in ice for 20 right. years and like marveling at how the world has changed and how he's so lonely mm-hmm. because there is, as you were saying, I mean, there was a big sea change in the 60s. Like the world operates differently. Right. Uh, so, yeah, that's interesting. And that was, that was uh, that. Stan Lee uh, wrote most of those early Marvel comics himself. Um, and he was real big on introspection. Like he he would have lots of issues with Captain America looking at, uh, at is this the America that I want to fight for? Mm-hmm. He, uh, brought in the silver surfer, like, sh- um, and, and he would a lot of times and the X-Men also are, should I fight for these people who aren't grateful for me protecting them? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so there was a lot of introspection in those early Marvel ones. Well, and, and just the, just, I, I I respect the 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 comics. I guess I'm talking predominantly about uh, Marvel, but their willingness to sort of not necessarily let culture dictate everything that they did, but suddenly you know the X Men of course came about civil rights movement start really starting to mm-hmm. kick into gear, and so you've got these these characters that are seen as certainly different and are treated terribly as a result and they're just fighting and they're not even really fighting against um the the you know homo sapiens they are just fighting for their own place and of course i mean people have said that there's a uh, an interesting uh parallel between like charles xavier's martin luther king magneto's malcolm x and that Mm -hmm. and that that there's a philosophical difference in their in their points of view and so i feel like the Marvel Comics willingness to well, to reflect one, that is one interesting. thing about that is when when Seduction of the Innocent had come out, they instituted what was called the Comics Code Authority. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like a little icon that they would put yeah. on comics to say well, this is approved. You know, um, 
and they there was a lot of things they wouldn't allow they wouldn't allow child endangerment they wouldn't allow uh, bad portrayal of, of police officers or uh, a certain amount of violence perpetrated by by so-called heroes heroes can never kill um, and um, DC was basically just said oh yeah yeah let's slap it on all our books let's play by all the rules let's let's do this Marvel said no we're gonna continue to publish these and tell good stories through them um, and we're still going to challenge um, social ideas and um, and deal with these um, drug issues or issues of equality or um, we're gonna confront all that uh, even though DC was uh, even though everyone around them was still was was caving to the comics code. Well, okay, I'm gonna again try and bring it back to the movies. Uh, mm. um, yeah, the uh, X Men are definitely is definitely a civil rights parable. Right. Uh, and became and, sort of a homosexual. And yeah, when Brian, Brian Singer, who is an uh, you know an out uh, gay director, uh, directed 2000s X Men and uh, 2002s X Men two, 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, that be that it's i mean it's it's never i don't think stated uh all that clearly that it's a homosexual parable but it in you don't have X-Men to dig united that. there's a part where uh iceman's mother says have you tried not being a mutant oh, and yeah, that one's that's, right. that's pretty that's over in, that's in the second one yeah, yeah. did i say x-men Uni- i said x-men united okay yeah i just always call it x-men 2 oh. <laughs> i was i always forget about that title what's the third one called the, the last, last stand, stand. Yeah, yeah, that one's not called X Men Three. Okay, that's just X-Men, the last day. The last day, uh, but X Two, X Men United, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, so I brought that up. Oh, now yeah. we're, talking about, <laughs> we're talking about movies again. That's the important thing. Um, and I also did want to bring up um, Spider Man because of what an interesting response he was to the to the times. And I'm sorry to go back to to comic books, but like a lot of these weren't made into movies for decades mm-hmm. and. And it is interesting. Like, I mean, like you brought up, just when comic books are such a f- reflection of or reaction to the times in which they're created, um, and then the movie is made, you know, 30 years later, well, the, ch- the circumstances are different. So, how much are you going to change the character? Uh, for example, uh, I'll get Spider Man in a moment. For example, Iron Man. You read those original comic books, and his his <laughs> invention of horrendous weapons is like this wonderful thing that he's doing because he's going in against communists. Right. And so anything you could do <laughs> against communists, A-OK in America's book. And so there was really nothing for him to ever apologize for. He was, I mean, he eventually he became an alcoholic, but he was pretty unrepentant of things in those early in those early days. They took the exact same career. You know, 40, 40 years later, they make a movie of Iron Man. They take his same choices, but now he has to sort of repent of them. Yeah, he has um, to do something else now. Uh, a thing well, that Iron that, that John Favreau's Iron Man, I think, says. Let me ask you this: Was uh, was Tony Stark in the original comics? Did he do what what Tony Stark does at the end of the movie? Did he yeah. tell everyone he was Iron Man? Um, or was it was it still a secret identity? Well, that's that's a, a little okay. Well, that's very complicated. What I'm saying is that the, I guess the 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 Tony Stark uh, of John Favreau's Iron Man is very much. Uh, I mean, there's even a joke in the trailer in that opening sequence about about uh, about MySpace because this is pre- before Facebook took over. But this is Tony Stark is like the the first 
uh, superhero who would conceivably have a Twitter account. Like he's yeah. he's very much <laughs> well, part of this. Like he has always been personal very, celebrity. Um, very. He was based on Howard Hughes, so uh-huh. he's he's very um, flashy and um, and decadent. Um, and he has he has at different points come out and said, "Oh, I'm Iron Man," and then said, "Oh no, it was a hoax. Iron Man's my bodyguard," and <laughs> it just like all sorts of crap that they've. <laughs> Just gone back and forth with on that, um, but he did originally. Um, he he had built weapons, but he he did sort of have some um, uh, some remorse over that because the they were selling it to the Vietnamese, mm-hmm. um, and so he he did they did keep that in the new movie that the terrorists were using his own weapons. Um, uh-huh. He was so he was not he was not. Um, He's not looked down on for being a weapons dealer, but he was looked looked down on for being a weapons dealer to the enemy yeah. also. Um, and that was sort of without his knowledge. So, you know. But he could have had, like, stricter standards or yeah. something like that and, and all that. Right. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I do find that interesting that, I don't know, it's, uh, I guess my a question that I have is, why why didn't they try to make superhero movies in the 60s? Like, was it viewed as just still a children's thing that adults yeah. that we until, shouldn't put money into? Until the seventies, it was still it was still viewed as a children's medium. Okay, um, and to the extent it still is today, um, it's getting less of that stigma now um, because a lot of the people that read them as children are now grown ups and mm. continue to read them and you know pass them on and say, well, it's worth noting that I mean the seventies was sort of the. Uh, uh, where like uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? This t- this touchy feeliness entered the culture and like we became <laughs> in touch with our inner child and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And this right. is probably the roots of the sort of delayed adolescence that has led to the Jet Apatow movies that we see now. And yeah. so it was probably more acceptable in 1978 for Superman to come out because this was like probably the first generation of men who were in their 20s and 30s who were still. Think, in touch with their inner child and thinking right. about themselves as boys as opposed to putting childish things behind them. And it's it's odd that you bring that up because finally at long last I'm going to get Spider-Man. Um, I say it We've as talked you about ga- Spider-Man. No, but, but I mean as, as a character and what he represents because I can't think <laughs> so of... No, no, I, this is on me. I no, keep coming what, what, up with but things... But it's like this is, the word Spider-Man has been said... Eight dozen times in this episode. <laughs> it's not like he said, finally, at long last, we're going to come to Hawkeye. Or some, like, <laughs> some superhero we hadn't talked about yet. You know, I'm so glad you brought up Hawkeye. I'll put Spider-Man on the back burner. I'm joking, of course. Uh, no, uh, it's just mentioning somebody is not the same as talking about them. But uh, and, okay. and I'm not saying, like, you guys are keeping me from <laughs> talking about Spider-Man. But damn it, I'm going to get to it. Um, but what it, what's interesting is that in... And I don't know if this is something that Stanley did on purpose, but in the '60s, there was a view of like youth, uh, the youth being sort of lazy, and uh, mm-hmm. they just go and you know take drugs all day and listen to their hippie music. Um, Peter Parker is a guy I cannot think of a character who embraces responsibility more than Peter Parker. Um, he gets great power. And so he embraces the responsibility that comes with that. But he was a responsible guy before that. He was clean cut. He was everything that a parent would want, would want their kid to be. Uh-huh. And so it's interesting that that you bring up like 
uh, in the in the 70s, and I would say also in the 60s, there's there's this idea of like, hey, we can be grown up children, right? And then you look at Spider-Man, who I don't know if he was created as a response to the possibly perceived laziness of that generation or is just sort of a coincidence. Do so you happen to know? What is 2002's, what does Sam Raimi's Spider-Man say? I mean, it seems like, because that, we talked about these other things uh, that have been, you know, updated to take place in modern times, you know, mm-hmm. like Tony Stark and all that. But apart from like the cars and fashion, like that Spider, Sam Raimi's yeah. Spider-Man could take place in 1961. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, um, why yeah. did he make those choices, do you think? Why did Sam Raimi make yeah. those choices? Um, I think because Sam Raimi's a nerd. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as, you know, I, I guess as, as uh, glib as that sounds, it's, I, I think that that's accurate because he appreciates the source material and wanted to remain very close to it. Um, uh, but I don't think, uh, I don't think that him him being uh, straight laced, clean cut was was any sort of response to that um, time. It's interesting though because he's so responsible before, and then he gets the powers and is irresponsible, and that's what causes his uncle to die. Mm-hmm. And so now he feels even more responsible. Right. <laughs> uh, um, and and so he just beats himself up for the rest of his life. But that also uh, that does sort of fit in with, uh, like I was talking about the physical fitness thing with Captain America. It seems like these Marvel comics in the '60s really wanted to like had a worldview mm-hmm. and uh, a, a, like a That's sort of because they were written these, by two guys. These principles and yeah, but they, they <laughs> these the the guys writing them wanted to wanted to teach a sort of like like morals isn't like a pr- but principles mm-hmm. like. Uh, that and some of them are big, large, patriotic principles, and some of them are about, you know, you should get your exercise <laughs> and button your shirt and do your homework. Uh, it's, it's a very like socially conservative. Admittedly, that button your shirt issue of Thor was, uh, <laughs> and I mean, hey, if nothing else, Hulk taught us that, like, hey, look at this animal who's not wearing any clothes. Uh-huh. You know, cover yourself up. But okay, so yeah, Superman. Cover your shame, Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> Superman is uh, 1978, right? That's when uh, Richard Donner's Superman mm-hmm. comes out. Yeah. Um, and then, I guess I'm trying to remember what other franchises there were in the 80s, but it leads up to Tim Burton's Batman, mm. which uh, I, I, I'm not sure what if if this is a part of the original Batman comic books. You maybe you can tell me, but it seems like. Uh, Tim Burton's Batman was about uh, urban decay. And uh, at this point, I mean, it's sort of being reversed now in good and bad ways and mm-hmm. gentrification, and it's definitely the bad side of it. But there was white flight. Uh, and uh, um, and since, you know, white people tend to have <laughs> more money, there was also an economic uh, uh, purge almost from america's urban centers and they were turning into the places where movies like death wish you know uh take place where they're like these 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 just jungles you know and it had gotten i mean i say they were turning it by the late 80s that's what it was i think it started in the 70s yeah, late, late 80s know. early 90s they had the whole game war things yeah going on everywhere and, and, and it's just crazy by that point it was uh i mean there were people who just lived i mean that people lived entirely within the suburbs and were terrified of the city the mm-hmm. you know uh and uh, and it seems to be that's what tim burton's batman is is really about although i i do i do wonder and this might be this might speak to the character of batman in general 
but might it is it is definitely about that that like hey the city's a den of sin and if uh, if you if you go there even just to see a movie terrible things will happen yeah to you. <laughs> um but at the same time we have a wealthy character who has a sense of responsibility and descends into the city to change it now admittedly i think it's also mixed with a fair amount of judgment of the city and its inhabitants but um he and also perhaps a, a certain degree of condescension, like saving the city from itself. And there, there's a sort of icky idea of like, <laughs> you know, the the woman at the John McCain uh, rally saying, "I want my country back." It's like mm-hmm. we want our city back. We rich white people want our city <laughs> back. <laughs> yeah, and that that has sort of persisted, like even in the uh, well, hey, we Nolan took it back. films. That's gentrification. Damn C- right. Cities are much safer places for. Uh, Bourgeois white people now than they were <laughs> in 1989. Yeah, I got bars on my windows, but I'm not worried. <laughs> but uh, is is that is that something that came about with um, with Tim Burton's thing or or Tim Burton's film or was like a because I've heard that his film, of course, there's all kinds of film. Uh, you know, inspiration there from German expressionism and such. But as far as tone. And knowing what we know about Frank Miller <laughs> and his views of, I think, city life uh, from, like, Sin City and such. Yeah. Um, his, his high opinions of policemen, especially. <laughs> yeah. um, is that, like, how much of, of Tim Burton's Batman was informed by the way Batman was starting to change in the in the 80s? Um, I would say a lot. That's... Uh, I, well, not well, not a ton like Frank Miller, and they still kept some holdovers from the uh, from the camp days, mm-hmm. you know, um, which led way to the disastrous Joel Fum- Schumacher follow-ups. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, uh, but but I I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that it's as a response, but it's sort of what the character had become at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I wouldn't really attribute Frank Miller to the to the way that the Tim Burton Batman movies are. Okay. Um, because that was really how Batman was created to be, was this dark Avenger of the night. Not... Mm. I like uh, when you speak in the, in the terms as well. <laughs> That's very exciting. <laughs> so, okay. Let's, uh, like, move towards an ending here mm-hmm. by talking about uh, um, the current... This current trend, uh, I don't know if I even call it a trend, it's just this thing that Marvel is doing with the movies, which is creating a universe over several movies the way that they have over their comics. <laughs> uh, like with the Marvel Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> you caught me in the middle of saying it's very excited. And then <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you do feel excited about I feel that? very excited, yeah. Um that's it's actually what I've wanted since day 1 is for um is for them to be able to make crossover movies cuz uh, any I guess true comic fan loves to see their heroes interact with each other. Yeah. Um and that's something that has heretofore been uh, impossible in films. I think it's a, a reflection of because I want to keep this episode tied to the idea of superhero movies reflecting what's going on. But uh, 
less and less movies or TV shows or forms of entertainment are seen as like standalone things that you enjoy for right. the time you enjoy them, and then you go back to your life mm-hmm. because it comes out. You're like, when's the next one? Yeah, well, but like uh, in in general, social life, wor- work life, personal life, home life is all blending. It's, everything's happening at the same time. So why should the the movies that you see cease to exist when you're done watching them? It mm-hmm. it, it should go on. I do have one. Hang up though, that Marvel can't have its cake and eat it too. <laughs> they got they can't stop. They got to stop recasting the Hulk. If you're gonna have one yeah. universe, then you got to stick with the fucking guy. Well, they had problems with. Uh, I understand starting. With, they were starting over so that they could do one universe when they put Edward Norton in it. But then they had problems with Edward Norton, um, or more aptly, Edward Norton had problems with them. But he, I, mean, I, I do not approve of the way that Kevin. Feige, Feige, I don't know how you say the guy's name. The guy who's the head of the Marvel uh, movie uh, arm or whatever, um, or Marvel Entertainment or whatever. The way that he dealt with like releasing that sort of bitchy statement about <laughs> about Edward Norton, and Edward Norton came out and was like, "I I would have done it. I wanted I wanted to do it." And I'm sure I'm sure he yeah he has a history of being being difficult, but I think Edward Norton's only difficult because he cares about the product, and uh, it seems to me if you commit to Edward Norton, then you should have stuck with him. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with you. Yeah, I I I do feel, and I remember feeling like this with uh, with Batman when they just kept recasting him. I just thought, like, you know, you're just you just keep cheapening the character more and more because it implies that there is no real Batman. Everyone can be Batman. That's how shallow he is. <laughs> it's really just a cape and cowl. Um, and I never liked the I- the idea of that. I, I was reading a, a thing. You feel that, that way about James Bond, also. Well, I don't feel like there's. <laughs> I, D- David's attitude is sort of rubbed off on me to the point where I feel like there's just not much to James Bond anyway. Um, <laughs> there was a thing that uh, uh, Devin Faraci over at BadassDigest dot com wrote recently about the idea that Christopher Nolan's Batman is going to end after The Dark Knight Rises. Right. But Warner Brothers is going to make another Batman movie. They're just going to reboot the franchise. Yeah. And But he was saying, like, within the world of comics, there are so many different universes, and there are so many different... There are different Supermans, and there are different. there's two different Nick Furies, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, <coughs> right. The the Which is actually kind of brings us back to Captain America a little bit. Um, the way that Marvel is doing their movies is more like what Marvel has done in the Ultimate Comics universe. Uh-huh. Um, and it, it's a separate universe from their from their regular thing. Uh-huh. That's the one in which Nick Fury is a black dude, um, and uh, it's generally more serious than the standard six one six or regular Marvel universe. Uh-huh. Um, and Captain America in that um, was much more of a was much more of a soldier than he was a superhero. Okay. Um, and I, it definitely looks like that's the way they're playing him in in the new movie. Is that mm-hmm. he's he's a soldier in a costume. Um, I'm not a guy so who like like the nerdier guys who get excited when the first images of the costume are released. But I have to admit, the Captain America costume for the movie looks pretty cool. It looks awesome. I it's like great. it a lot. Yeah, and that's one that could have looked really cheesy. And the fact that. They didn't have to distance themselves that much from the original design mm-hmm. in order to make it look good. That's actually that's what he looked like in the uh, Ultimate Comics. Mm, okay. Uh, okay. Almost, it's a little different. He had some goggles and. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I will say this: like 
speaking of the idea of reboots, like, you know, they're rebooting Spider-Man, they're going to be re- rebooting um, Batman. Fantastic Four, also. Oh, are they? Okay. Yes. All right, well, that's probably good. That's for the best. But uh, Although I do enjoy the Fantastic Four. Interesting, uh, just quick side note, interesting f- thing about featuring the... Featuring fan- a friend of the show, uh, Doug Jones. Yes. Uh, interesting thing about the Fantastic Four movies is they are practically verbatim from singular issues from the yeah. from the sixties and seventies, um, that like very very specifically so. Mm. Um, so in that way, they are closer to the comics than any other um, movies. But that doesn't really translate to film that well. Um, I'm I'm waiting for them to because i okay when i was a kid x-men was my comic like that's the one i loved me too i loved i loved uh, x-men i loved wolverine specifically and and various other characters nightcrawler colossus i liked a lot of them um i liked the first movie i really liked this i would venture to say i loved the second movie really didn't like the third and then i didn't even bother seeing wolverine and (sighs) and then everything i've seen about everything i've seen with first class doesn't look that good to I me. I actually think the first class looks promising. Promising, but I could see it. I don't know. I, I could like see the cast. It. It's a good cast. Except they also have January Jones in there. <laughs> Man, America sure has turned on her, haven't they? Good. I'm glad they caught up to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought she was pretty good on that first uh, season, right? Of uh, Mad Men? I only Betty saw the first is season. supposed I to be... Her cold and reserved mm-hmm. so it's easy for january jones to play because she just has to play her well, she's playing like emma frost wood. in the movie right oh there cold you go and reserved there you go <laughs> all right but but i feel like x-men there's so much potential there and especially with uh you know the recent trend of of superhero movies to sort of go more realistic with mm-hmm. things and darker and gritty i think there's a lot there could be a lot of grittiness in the X-Men franchise, and so I'm really hoping that they reboot that and just stop. And, I mean, First Class is sort of that, except they don't treat it that way. They really do treat it as a prequel, like incorporating, you know, Patrick Stewart into the trailers and and Ian McKellen and stuff. I just feel like, I don't know, why don't they just start over with that? I don't understand. I think they they should should start over. uh, If they're going to keep recasting the Hulk and starting over, they need to get the Punisher right because I loved the Punisher when I was younger, but, uh, I, but I, I don't know why everyone has so many problems with the Tom Jane Punisher movie. But I loved it. I th- I, I thought it was uh, so pretty, fantastic. That's a pretty hokey movie. It's it yeah no it's like it's not necessarily like, like the idea is that Frank's wife and kids were killed while he was having a picnic in Central Park. In the Thomas Jane one, he says they literally kill his entire extended family. <laughs> <laughs> they show up at the family reunion. That. Like even the guy who's trying to get away on the boat, they show up in the back. <laughs> it, it's it, it, like from the beginning, uh, uh, and, and that also. But uh, that way, it's. I, I actually think, yeah, I, I, I mostly don't like it, but I think that is better than most people give her credit for. And I know that it is largely inspired by a certain uh, twelve-issue run that Garth Ennis wrote, right? Where yes. he had moved into this like uh, building in where he actually becomes friends with some of his neighbors. Right. Like, I think Ben Foster was in the movie. Yes. Is that, yeah. And John Panette, comedian John Panette, I think, was also. <laughs> right. Yeah. And uh, Rebecca Romain Stamos. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's how I know her. Um, and that's that's interesting. I find I find Garth Ennis interesting, if, if a little bit uh, juvenile at times. Yeah. Um, at times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but 
I want to see the uh, Punisher story that's where he's closer to Travis Bickle and like where he's like this obsessive compulsive gun collector and uh, like compiler and has like like the whole you know uh, Punisher armory. What were they called? The uh, arsenal. Yeah, the arsenal. With the comics that were literally just pictures of his guns, <laughs> pictures and <laughs> descriptions of the guns that he had. Yeah. Uh, I want to see the movie about that. That vigilante, where he's like working out of the van and has the yeah. just insane amount of weapons. Yeah, and they they started to go in the right direction with uh, Punisher Warzone with Ray Stevenson with Ray Stevenson. Yeah, I didn't see it. Which is to say, from the from the dark aspect and the violent aspect, but the problem is that like they went so. I mean, I've described some of the ridiculous things they do on here yeah. where he shoots a rocket into a guy in the middle of his parkour extravaganza <laughs> and blows him up in midair and the man ceases to be. Um, <laughs> now, here's the thing. You're laughing because it's funny and I feel like they could approach a Punisher uh, movie in a way that is in no way funny. I you know, Taxi Driver has some laughs, but they're usually laughs of like audacity. Like, I can't believe this character is saying this. But also, the uh, not only, uh, yeah, I think Taxi Driver is a good uh, blueprint for what the Punisher could be. Not only in terms of who Frank is, mm-hmm. but uh, like one of my main problems with the uh, the Garth Ennis run and the movie, the Thomas Jane movie, is that once again you have to they keep going with uh, a villain who's essentially a supervillain, like a way over the top, extravagant bad guy mm. why not make him be just like a a, a, a pimp like uh, or something like harvey Keitel, or you know uh like make him a real world menace well that's essentially uh, what uh, john travolta was he's but, just a, he's just a crime boss but what i'm saying same with, is, but, no, but, same with the dolph lunger one he there's no no i'm not saying he, that he should be a literal supervillain but he still is uh ratcheted up to this extreme where saying, he has an army of guys. Yeah, why not have a literally a, b- a believable bad guy, and and essentially have uh, Frank Castle overreact? Because that's what's interesting to me about the character is it's eventually his entire life is beca- because he's like this obsessive compulsive guy. And maybe this is just the Frank Castle that I have in my head it was never written this way. But that's always <laughs> his how family I've seen was him. murdered. I'm not sure how much of an overreaction it is. 20 years of that killing be, everyone. That might be an <laughs> like, overreaction. That's what I'm saying. Like, it, it, like ex- explore that side of him. Like, this uh, this antisocial uh, sociopath who's obsessive-compulsive and a fetishist about, uh, about, about guns. And, and, I think... You know, and, and, and essentially a guy who overreacts. I think an interesting way to go with the character would be, of course, the gritty thing... But pick it up, like, don't do an origin story. Pick it up 15 years into his... That would be interesting, like, yeah. Cast an, kind of an older actor, a guy probably in his, uh, I'm going to say, early, late 40s, early 50s. Uh-huh. Be a little bit more, like, grizzled, and he's been at this for a while. And I'm pushing for Liam Neeson. What was that? I said I'm pushing for Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson's already played the part. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so Take, why, why not just put the skull on? <laughs> <laughs> that's what take it is that's all it is you know you got, uh except his daughter's not dead so just imagine that okay you know who would make a great punisher in this idea of maybe maybe this is 20 or 25 years down the line okay chris cooper huh 
How awesome would that be? He's the Punisher. I don't know. He doesn't. Uh, he could get the attitude right. He's certainly. disassociated I don't really himself. Think he has to look for it though. Like, I, I think he. I think he could. He doesn't really look like a grizzled badass. I think he could. I think he could. I don't know. He just. I, I don't think he's he not very intimidating to me. Uh, I bet he could be intimidating. Oh, uh, no question about it. Like I, I, I really liked his performance in the town, and he kind of plays not necessarily a badass, but certainly. And in Breach, he can be intimidating. Now that yeah, I think, he's about very it. intimidating in Breach. Yeah, yeah, and in Breach, he's almost kind of like this guy that I'm describing, like the <laughs> who like thinks he's better than everyone else. In anyway, whatever. Mu- every once in a while, I feel like such an intense connection to the nerd community because. I realize, quote unquote, what they should do, <laughs> you know, and uh, because it's just like, here's what you do. All right. You have the penguin be a corrupt politician. All right. That's what you do, because he's because even in the comics and in the TV shows, he always dabbled in politics. You have him be a corrupt politician, not necessarily a big crime boss. It's fine. <laughs> you get a Paul Giamatti or a Philip Seymour Hoffman and you'll be great. Come on! <laughs> I just get so, and I get so angry that they're not, that they're not picking up on what I'm just thinking and not even communicating to people. Uh, so anyone listening to this, Chris Cooper as the Punisher. And yeah, that's what you should do. That's, that's what quote you should do. Clearly, that's the movie they need to make. Anyway, that's all the time we have, right? Indeed, we're done here. Yeah, this was fun. It was Adam, fun. thanks for being here. Adam, it was, we, it was we, a pleasure. I'm glad I mentioned to be at the here. beginning that I would uh, talk about. Your uh, exciting new venture that you're oh. working on. Why don't I? I'll give you a few minutes here. You tell me um, what it is. Yeah, essentially, I'm. I have um, co-designed and I have drawn all the cards for um, a a uh, fixed deck superhero cooperative card game um, that will be coming out in about August. Yeah. Um, that you essentially uh, play with your friends and you each play as one of ten different. Um, superheroes, and you fight a villain, and uh, you win as a team or you lose as a team. And that's 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 what I'm doing. It, what, right what, does it have a name? It's called Sentinels of the Multiverse. Sentinels of the Multiverse, and it and will it make will its. No, you say August because you're going to Gen Con. Yeah, in, it will make. We'll, we'll debut it at Gen Con. And it'll be available online probably a couple weeks before that. But and, and we'll keep. I know you. The website isn't uh, finished yet, so we'll right. keep people posted on, here on the show as to where they can find those closer to August. Great. I appreciate that. I have actually. Uh, I've actually played the game. Tyler was uh, one of our playtesters. Actually, yeah. you, beta, you're beta credited testing. in the manual for playtesting. All right. All right. And uh, and I enjoyed it a great deal, and it, it, honestly, uh, it wasn't the kind of game that I thought I would enjoy, but I thought it was really great, and uh, and of course the the art or arts the arts yeah for I, it, I did uh, over two hundred really hundred fifty full color arts for it. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of sound like a Chicago construction worker, by the way, when you say it's like <laughs> I did uh, like two hundred fifty arts <laughs> for it. <laughs> But uh, but no, it's a lot of fun, and, and we'll uh, when the time comes, we'll put like a link to it, uh, you know, on on the BP website or something like That'd that. Be great. So I can't wait till there's a movie like The Fighter, where but The Fighter, but in Chicago, where people like serious actors are really trying to pin down <laughs> that crazy accent. Yeah, and they have to cry in that <laughs> accent. Yeah. Hey, I uh, had my shot, and I screwed it up. Is your shot? All right, I'm gonna go lay down. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> the thing, like that's having lived in Chicago, like 
police officers and construction workers really talk like that. Oh yeah, but no, like no, like you don't see like the mayor of Chicago doesn't sound like that. No, it's literally just police officers and construction workers. <laughs> and but it is exactly that. I mean that's an exaggeration because we actually had you had a teacher. We went to we went to uh, had a classmate, uh, mm-hmm. a wonderful guy. Oh my gosh, uh, named Eddie. Eddie. Um, uh, he was a re- he was a really nice guy. Had uh, he loved Walter Hill movies, as I as I recall, um, and uh, he really talked like that. And I found it, it's such a fascinating accent. I was I was, and what's more is, I've I don't think I've ever seen because you know I've lived in a, I've lived in like Southern Missouri, and I've lived in Chicago, I've lived in places where you see you hear like a very distinct distinct accent and a way, and sort of a way of living. Um, it, that sounds. That sounds really condescending, but like, there are certain stereotypes associated with those places, uh-huh. and uh, and then you see some people who, even at a young age, just decide, yeah, I'm going to be that, and <laughs> not to sound negative because Eddie was the the nicest guy in the world, yeah. but like, he was, you know, twenty, twenty one, twenty two, and he still grew like. The Mike Ditka mustache, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah. he still like totally talked like this, and it, like he developed an accent at age twenty that most people wouldn't until like age forty, <laughs> right. and uh, he just really embraced it. And good, it was good a lot for of him. Fun. Good for him, Eddie. If you're listening, we really enjoyed you. And then <laughs> there was another guy who we both had classes with, whose name I don't remember, and I wouldn't want to say it anyway. Yeah, who talked like that? He was a diminutive guy, and he loved movies, and he loved pornographic <laughs> movies. With every inch the same amount of of zeal and fervor that he that he loved like well, golden age of Hollywood, <laughs> like he would talk at length about directors and and uh, is this yeah. the guy that I told you the story about? Uh, he was in one of my directing classes, uh-huh. and my my teacher for my first directing class was uh, was gay, but he mentioned his wife. Uh-huh. And uh, this seemed to really confuse this person we yeah. were talking about. And I remember, I'm sorry, everybody, I'm about to say very bad things. But you're quoting someone else. I'm quoting someone else. <laughs> so after, oh my gosh, after we're walking home, uh, we're walking, we're all walking as a group out of class. And um, and my, uh, my teacher's name was Chap. Uh-huh. And uh, he was the nicest guy, incredibly encouraging. And uh, so as we're all leaving, and he had, this was the class where he had mentioned his wife so we're all leaving and then uh this guy whose name we won't say right. he goes uh so uh like is champ a fucking faggot or what <laughs> <laughs> and, it was just like, and we're like and like you said he's this diminutive guy and we all just like look at him <laughs> and we're like what the hell is wrong with you man like, we're out in public <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun oh chicago yeah, i miss good, you good times school so you can find us at battleshipretention.com or in itunes uh you can email us david at battleshipretention.com or tyler at battleshipretention.com you can follow me on twitter at twitter.com slash the pretension you can follow tyler on twitter at twitter.com slash more lessons which is the official twitter feed of his other podcast more than one lesson which you can find at more than one lesson.com or on itunes and you can find my other podcast the weekly television review show previously on at previously previously on show.com or in iTunes. Uh, Adam, where can people find you on the internet? Um, I, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Darksider, which is spelled like the DC villain, D-A-R-K-S-E-I-D-E-R. Uh-huh. Um, 
And that's that's pretty much it right now. All right, and yeah, there we'll, will be uh, a Sentinels of the Multiverse Twitter. I think their account is active, but um, okay, but we haven't posted on it. But once the Sentinels of the Multiverse website is up, we'll we'll plug it here on the show. Awesome. So Thank thanks you. for joining us. Yeah, thanks for being on the Thank show. You. This it's is a fun. Pleasure. It was, it was great. All right, and uh, thanks everybody for listening, and we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.